Welcome to another episode of the Making Sense of Islam podcast. A few housekeeping points before we begin. Every episode is accompanied by episode notes that highlight everything I've referenced. So people, verses, hadith, etc. They're all in the episode notes, which you can find at makingsenseofislam.com. Most of the episodes are short form, so the notes are few. But when you listen to longer form episodes, the notes are meant to be a resource and an aid. Number two. I would really appreciate it if you could rate the podcast on whatever platform you use and leave a comment, hopefully positive. And number three, every Friday I send out a short email called Coexist Ruminations that shares what I'm working on and reading in my four focus areas. If you'd like to receive these, please sign up by going to makingsenseofislam.com forward slash Friday. That's it for now. Enjoy the show. I'm so excited to present to you all my very first podcast interview. My guest today is Muhammad Zakaria, whom many of you have heard of before. Sidi Muhammad is a world-famous calligrapher, and he, more than anyone I would argue, is responsible for inspiring interest in the Western world towards Islamic art. You can find details about his bio, articles he's written, and most importantly, samples of his masterpieces at his website, muhammadzakaria.com. And I'll link that in the episode notes so you can follow the URL there. Now, since this is my first interview, I hope you will be patient with me as I get more comfortable with the format. When I recently visited Seedid Muhammad, I wanted to start casually before recording, but then things got so serious so fast, I forgot to hit record. Hence the little hiccup at the beginning of the conversation. I hope you will forgive me. I also feel I needed another three hours with him to really get at the heart of my questions, and he has agreed for a follow-up, so inshallah, I hope to get to that soon, schedule permitting. So, without further ado, please enjoy the wonderful world of Islamic art and calligraphy with none other than Muhammad Zakaria. So you want to go back and do that again? Uh, you, you start where you want to start. Uh, so Okay, how did I how did I get into it? Was there a lead? We to it? we began by by off record. We began by uh, talking a little bit about students and having egos. Okay. And I, I made a comment that uh, I think that if a student has a big ego, okay. it must be difficult. And you were saying, well, there's another uh, okay. way of looking at it. There you go. Uh, so uh, let me f- preface this thing by saying that that, that uh, I am a, a calligraphy producer, but I'm also a calligraphy teacher. And, and in our type of calligraphy, which is, um, uh, it goes under numbers of, of names. There are some names that kind of are sort of nationalistic sounding, which I don't like to use. Um, I just like to call it calligraphy. Uh, like in the classic Arabic books, they call it basically fan al-khat or sana'at al-khat. And so that's basically what they're talking about. But now uh, we have other titles that are more restrictive. I don't particularly care for them. But uh, since most of my education in, 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 in calligraphy has been through Turkish, uh, uh, I, I use a, a sort of modified Turkish vocabulary to, to, to express some of this stuff. Um, before Before I got involved in that, um, I studied mostly through either things that I'd learned in Morocco or things that I'd learned from other calligraphers that I knew from, from Egypt, Sudan, places like that. And uh, 
Iraq and things. And so, uh, but I read a lot, and I read a lot of the, the classic Arabic books on the topic. And so, um, when I began to study to, to Turkish and Ottoman Turkish, I saw there's, there's a confluence of, of meaning that, that, that bridges the gap and it, and it covers over that and expresses itself in, through, an, through a different language. And so uh, the different language in translating from, from Arabic concepts that are sometimes a thousand years old, you know, into something that is more, more contemporary, uh, it, it, it shines new light for somebody who's trying to learn these things, and it makes uh, one understand it in a different kind of way. And so I learned, after I had gone through my processes of getting my license and all that stuff, the ijazah and all that, um, I began to, uh, they used to started calling me Hoja. Hoja is, is, means a teacher. Now, my teacher is a gent named Hassan Chelebi. Hassan Chelebi, Arabic writers can't say that for some reason. They can't say Chelebi, and yet they can say, <laughs> they, they, they can say, uh, what is that funny word? Uh, uh, Chelb. Mm. They, they can say Chelb, but they can't say Chelebi. Yeah. Well, in Arabic, I think they say Chelebi. The Arabic, Arabized yeah, version. They, but they're saying Shelby when they actually can say Chelb, like like Chelb's dog in in in, uh, in like Gulfi the, in the in Iraqi, Iraqi, yeah, Iraqi yeah. dialect. So I mean, so they can they can say the letter Chim, but they won't, they mm. won't say Chelby. Mm. They say Shelby or or Jalabi or something like mm. that, you know. Uh, anyway, Hassan Chelby is is a is a man of, of magnificent accomplishments. He's been doing this all his life. He started out doing calligraphy. Then he became uh, a muezzin, and he was, when he first came to Istanbul, he was the muezzin of a little mosque near our, our restaurant, in our hotel. And then he uh, began to teach, and, and he studied with the great man, and, and he um, he uh, was a hafiz of the Quran, and, he, you know, and he, we would walk around, and, and people anywhere in Istanbul knew him by sight. We walked by a mosque any time near a, the time for namaz, for prayer. They Hojam, come in, lead the prayer. We'll, you, you do it. And so he was always asked to do these things because he had acquired this, 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 uh, uh, this uh, aura almost of, of knowledge and, and ability and stuff like that. So anyway, so he, he became known as not so much, we still call him Hoja, but he became known as Khaje. And that's what Egyptians call Khwaga. That's the original word is is Khaje. And it means a, a very high level instructor. It means a person knowledgeable in, in, in culture and religion and all the, the adab and, and stuff that pertains to the literature, the whole deal. So the term is is Khaje, but they but they pronounce it Haje. And so uh, I always called him Haje. I said Haje. But uh, it it uh, me I was I'm not a haja I'm a hoja. We always made the distinction between the classrooms or or the places that were uh, gr large groups of people that were taught as one, uh, or the kind of people you invite to your home to to get 
the, the, the private lessons, which, which were actually the most beneficial ones. And the people who got taught one-on-one -on -one like that are the, always the ones that did better than the ones who got taught in, in large groups of people. So uh, it developed at a time historically when there was no printing and people had to have a, a means of a writing. Uh, that would be understandable anywhere in, the, in, 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 in anywhere near there. You know that people could read it, whether it was writing in Arabic or Turkish or whatever. And so, I think uh, that they would keep this money thing out of it, it's because the money. Somebody would say, "I'll bring you some some uh, apples." And I'll bring you some fresh eggs and stuff like that. And um, then you can give me a a better a better grade. I said, but you know, we don't do grades. You know, we don't we don't. There's no A B C D E F. You know, any of that stuff. All there is 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 you begin, you do your best. I watch. I teach you how to see it, and then I teach you how to make your hands do what your eyes see. And so the work is largely yours, in a sense, because if you do your homework, you're doing a lot of work. And so, um, would it be fair to say that because of uh, the system of you know no money involved and it's informal, it's it's a labor of love that you know people come to this because they are they're drawn to it. It, it has to be, but but when we say when we say love, it, it, it's something that is a little unique. The way we interpret it and the way we use it is a little bit unique to the Islamic experience. It, it may be related. It may be related some way to um, music, but music is always taught with cash. The, 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 uh, at least, uh, at least here in in in, in uh, United States and places, it's it's a it's a professional obligation, and people make their living doing it and they don't have maybe a better way to make any living of it anyway so uh but we 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 do make that stuff maybe it, it condemns us to a life of, of less money than we would make otherwise because i certainly could go out and start charging for this and 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 set up a, a formally a formal class you know and do all that and 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 but it would it would it would ruin it well, it reminds me as you're speaking. I mean, all of my classes. I, mean, I didn't study calligraphy, but all uh -huh. of the you know the Sharia sciences that I studied, uh -huh. and and particularly you know tasawwuf, were all done in that way. I mean, there's of no course. there's no this money is, exchange. All this is doing is translating an, another uh, older idea into something a little bit different. Is taking the same principle, and applying it exactly word for word, basically, to, in, into something for calligraphy. I mean, this the, but this is old. All all the guys. Who who established the proper art of calligraphy? They were all fukaha and hafaz, you know, and they're they're major major religious people, you know. And of course, calligraphy, like all the other uh, sacred sciences, is studied with a with a chain of transmission. Yeah, we have that. We have that, and we have. Uh, I can show you books going all the way back to Ali, radiAllahu uh, anh. But it would be, it would be, uh, you know, this. There's gaps in there, you know, and, and a lot of them may be imaginary, you know, stuff like that. Like, we don't know whether Ali was actually a calligrapher. We don't know for sure, you know. We have 
hints that he may have been. There certainly were people who wrote, and he may have been one of them, but was he an artistic writer? We don't know. Uh, well, he was a scribe, for sure, of the prophet. Something he could write. Be upon him. Yeah. And he also yeah. uh, be began the science of grammar. So grammar yeah, is traditionally yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, attributed yeah. to Sidna. Yeah, we, yeah, we have people, Zayd ibn Tabit, you know, was, was probably a pretty good writer, I would guess, because he was the prophet's secretary and all these things. Um, this, this all has a simple origin that, that gets compounded into more complexity. I think the first people that we would really call uh, calligraphers in that sense were probably from the Umayyads, hmm. from the uh, Ahwal and people like that. You know, they were people who began to be noticed as people who were experts at making beautiful writing. And then people were beginning to say, ooh, that is beautiful writing. And, and from those simple origins, you know, it, it went through a, a series of people who uh, led to Ibn Mukhla and then to Ibn al-Bawab and then to a whole series of people in Baghdad that led up to Yakut Mustasimi and stuff like that. And it exploded at the end of that period into something that well, it just radiated everywhere in the Muslim world except for the West. And then what was happening out in the West and in, in, in North Africa and Spain was something completely different. And it, it wasn't taught the same way and it wasn't... Uh, uh, it didn't have the same results. It wasn't using the same style of writing, and it's something else. And so I do that as well, because I have a lot of students that are very interested in that. And so um, part of that is uh, learning how to read the stuff, you know. And, and it's a, if a person knows a language which is written in, this, in that script, it's easier for them to make sense of writing... Uh, uh, these words, you know, but it, it, it's, it's, if you don't know the language, it's, it, it's a little much, it's more of a handicap, but the, it's really interesting conceptually wise to see somebody writing stuff that I can read and they can't, but they're the ones who are writing it. You know, it's kind of interesting. And I hope it, 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 it leads to a point with people that, that, that allows people to learn a language, you know, like like uh, many people write Urdu, and they take calligraphy lessons, and but they have a hard time writing Urdu using the rules of calligraphy because they're used to writing it in a different way. And so, you know, I I hope by the time I have to retire, that I'll have I'll have encouraged people to learn some of these languages and and embody that in their calligraphy. And enrich themselves with it to to a degree, at this stage they're hardly aware of. You know, I mean, it's the, the the degree of, of personal enrichment and and wealth on a on a spiritual level. I, I hate using that word because it means the wrong thing. You know, it's, it's we might say it it, it is uh, mahani, You know, it's, it's, but uh, or something like that. Uh, who knows, you know, it, 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 uh, um, So you, you mentioned about, um, you know, previously about uh, calligraphy being a form of, you know, it's an art and it's, uh, it's supposed to accentuate a type of beauty. Mm -hmm. And I thought maybe I'd like you to, to reflect a little bit with me on, you know, what, what role does that play 
in an average Muslim's life? You know, beauty. Uh, what role does it play in the larger faith? You know, in other words, why is it important? You know, why is calligraphy important? Mm. Uh, technically speaking, uh, calligraphy, the, the, the approach and, and, and use of calligraphy is, uh, is, is not very important. Um, you can live without it. It's um, something that there is actually very little of it in existence anymore. There's, there's artifacts that you will see in old buildings and in museums and things like that. But you go to a museum with, 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 a, with a young person from today and um, they wouldn't be able to tell you the difference between any of the scripts. They wouldn't be able to tell you anything about they 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 have a vocabulary that might say oh it's Jamil you know or something like that. that doesn't tell me anything I mean a lot of things are Jamil cats Jamil but uh, the uh, the um, uh, if you if you read the older literatures they will tell you that that that, that uh, trying to explain what what it means and they'll say oh it's like it's like a rose among other flowers or it's you know something like that. And um, but they didn't have much of an idea of what of what the beauty actually meant either, and so, but they knew something was there, and and that it was it enriched their lives in some kind of way. The the the, the first aspect of, of of calligraphy is that it makes reading much more pleasant. To read a nicely written, if I had a book, I'd show you. Um, if you if you look at a nicely produced book compared to a really crummy compared book, I can show you after I get the cat off of me. Um, that uh, to read a beautifully written book is 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 a lovely experience. I mean, you you can enjoy seeing it that's well done, but you can't. Um, uh, it's hard to quantify it, you know. It's it's uh, you you can look at the older Arabic writers used to say uh, that that a to to look at a, a beautiful piece of writing makes the heart happy, blah blah blah. And looking at a at a lousy piece of writing makes the heart all constructed and I mean constricted and un you know un, unhappy and stuff like that. Uh, so uh, that's probably part of it, you know. Um, Would that also but, relate to the Quran as well? Yeah, because because uh, uh, the the Quran is kind of like the 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 constitution of beauty in the, in the Islamic concept. You know, it, it's the model. Um, we see this. We see this extraordinary document that, that really is a timeless document, and it's a uh, an artifact. It, it's an artifact in this world of something from something eternal, and so uh, we don't know how to exactly what to call it. But there's been lots of arguments about it. You know whether it's created or uncreated, all that stuff. That that is a difficult topic that I don't want to get into. I don't even like to get into it. But um, it's a uh, 
when when you when you spend a lot of time with 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 the Quran, for instance, or you know even with hadith and things like that, uh, you become aware that and and you read other books and stuff like that. You become aware there's this, there's a level of of expression that because of its content and because of its method of expression uh, identifies it as being something you know it's hard, it's hard to mistake that something is quran and and it's hard to mistake something that is hadith in a, in a way it has a tone to it and so we we interpret them as being examples of beauty uh, because they they convey the meaning, you know, the meaning comes to you as, as like a lightning bolt sometimes, or like the rippling water, or, or it comes in, you know, we use these kind of metaphors to describe the thing, like uh, sometimes the, when, when uh, the Prophet, Islam, would get a revelation, he said, sometimes it comes to me like the crashing of bells or something like that, a huge almost explosion in his mind and and sometimes it was a quieter thing so these things i i think when you when you write quranic sentences and things like that and uh you get the sense that these are very very unusual texts and 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 they have such beauty to them uh, because they sometimes you can you can put them in the amidst of, of a longer ayat or something like that, or sometimes you can just take a few words out of them. Uh, like, like there was a one text that people used to write from Surah Al Bayyinah, Fiha Kutubun Kaima, and um, they would just select that out of the whole surah. And they would make it into a large composition. And then they'd put it on the door or the inside of a library. And and so this means in it there are valuable books. Um, and so the, um, the meaning of it, in a sense, is altered from what the meaning of it is in the Quranic sense. But it transfers into something else equally interesting in its own way. And so... Uh, the entire Quran becomes subject to this kind of gold mining for wonderful stuff, and uh, you you so you find all these 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 other potentialities that that, that it has, and um, uh, people can live a life just bedazzled by this thing, by this wonderful text that that, that is constantly revealing itself to you. In, in different ways and 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 we as calligraphers when we write it we like to turn it into something that's visual it's not just something you're hearing like like when when you're thinking of a text uh when, when a person puts a text in a mosque for instance a surah or or a few ayats and that um it's not the same thing as reading it in the Mus'haf, or it's not the same thing as reading it from your memory. Um, you're not observing when you're reading it in that kind of situation in, in a beautiful script. You're not reading it 
as a recitation. You're not putting in all of the rules of, of, of uh, stops and goes and, and pauses and uh, ishmams and all, all these things that one might put in there. Um, you're reading it straight. And so uh, if you take a person who was writing a book, let's say, he's, he's writing a, a book and he's using a Quranic verse in, in the book, instead of what they used to do, they would just print it in the same script as the, 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 the book was written in. And they wouldn't put any of the reading marks. They, they, they would not have ayats and all of those things. They would just print the thing. And so, and they would use the, the, uh, a different, slightly different spelling. And, and um, this was the way it was done. Now, instead of doing that, which means you have to think in order to do that, now they just go and, and they pop up on the printing press, say, a copy of a Musaf, and they, you cut it out with a pair of scissors and you paste it in. Or you do it on a computer in the same way. You, you take a piece of an ayat or something, and, and it will have all of the recitations. So what it means is you're kind of expected when you're, when you're going to read this text within a, 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 a printed text that you're going to kind of do the Tejweed effect with it. And... Um, that's not expected. That's not reasonable, you know, in some ways. So um, my own advocation is to just simply rewrite the thing out, you know, as, as, as normal writing so you can understand it only as text, not as, as, as a recitation. So going back to something you said about the Qur'an being um, like a minefield almost, you know, trying to mine verses and partial not a minefield verses. minefield is full of bombs but minefield, well, it's, wrong, it's, wrong expression it's a, it's it's like a gold a, mine a gold mine yeah. you're, you're mining for the ore yeah you're you know, mining for the ore for the verses the partial verses sure. and you almost accentuate that by by calligraphy and i mean i i, I personally i totally i totally get that but I, I can't also help but reflect you know when you look at the muslim world today <laughs> that we're not we're, we seem to be far away from that from uh -huh. the appreciation of beauty uh, from uh, trying yeah. to you know bring out the pearls, these meanings from the Quran or yeah. prophetic texts and things like that, and if if calligraphy is a way of of helping all of us appreciate that, mm -hmm. would it be fair to say that uh, we are in a way are threatened by the lack of beauty, the lack of art, the lack of calligraphy today? Mm. It it affects us negatively as a community, globally or locally. I think. The dep to deprive people voluntarily or involuntarily of their has we would call it of beauty uh, then you damage them because to appreciate the beauty that you find in a turn of phrase in an ayat or whatever um, or something that you would see a piece of calligraphy whatnot um, uh, because because to look at a, a piece of calligraphy, for instance, it's not just it's just not an it's not just an ayat. You're looking at it and you think, oh, who did that man studied with, and who who was he, and who did he study with, and how did he write it? What tools did he have? What was his place like? Did his house burn down? I mean, there's all kinds of things, you know, because people sometimes people's houses burned up and they lost everything. Um, the um, 
it becomes a, a lot of things that are mixed up in, in the thing instead of just one little see people want an instant answer and, and there is no in, instant answer in this it just goes on and on it's like when you're in the barber shop and you're sitting in the barber chair and you look in the mirror and then you see yourself behind that and and ad infinitum thousands of times reflected behind you the, the, this is more like hold on this is more like what this thing is about it it, it multiplies and so um a, pe a person who doesn't have time to look at something beautiful i mean people can find beauty in anything if, if they're looking for it you find it beautiful in the cat you find it beautiful in, in your friendships you find beautiful in your families and and you have beauty with your your plants and, 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 and everything. I mean, people at an earlier time, they, they made beautiful dials to read the sun, you know, for the sun time. And they did, they tended to want to make everything nice because you're going to handle it. You're going to, you're going to spend a lot of time with these things. Why not have a nice thing that feels good, take better care of it if it's nicely made, all things like that. And so, uh, the handling of a beautiful object, a beautiful mushaf. For instance, a lot of people know. They pick up a mushaf and they don't know that you should be uh, on your abdest, on your on your wudu, you know. Uh, they don't know that you shouldn't put other books on top of it. Um, these are rules that are, that are, you know, people just think there's rules for rules' sake, you know, who cares, throw it out, you know. Um, when in fact... I think these kind of rules are the very blood of life. I mean, this is life for, for a Muslim, to observe these simple little R Rules things. of etiquette. Yeah. They're, they're rules of how you relate with your physical world, you know. I mean, I would imagine in the pre-modern time, if you wanted a mushaf, you'd have to wait a long time for the calligrapher to, you know, to produce one for yeah. you. So it's probably your greatest possession. I mean, now you, you get the mushaf on an app. Yeah, it's you, on get your it, phone, you can get it's, it. Printed in a computer, yeah. So um, it's, uh, we lose the appreciation yeah. of what exactly we're holding. Yeah. See, you see, Jewish people in their ibadat and stuff like that, they say you cannot use a printed Torah. You have to use the scroll. a handwritten scroll. Yeah. Without, without that, it has no value. The, now, if you want to do a little research, the printed one's okay. But if you want to, if you want to actually recite it, you know, or something like that, they use they use a scroll. I know a guy. He, he um, uh, Neil is a friend of mine, and, and he does he restores these things. And, and and if one letter falls off, they don't just fill it in with it with a pen. They call the man. They call Sofer. He comes and he's got his tools, and he will put that letter back in. He'll write it back in with an ink. And a pen that is all kosher and all that, and 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 he restores it to a ritual situation, and then they bless the thing in some way, so that it becomes acceptable to use it in the, in the rituals. So we don't have any concept of that in 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 our Quranic uh, book culture or in our. Uh, must have culture or, or well i mean like when, we when have, some students some we have some but yeah, not, not when to some that students would you know write uh, on the wooden tablet the lawah they're yeah. memorizing north africa uh -huh. after they finish that page and they wipe it off 
they'll make sure that whatever they wipe off falls in some sort of vessel and then they would drink you know they would drink that ink or they would uh -huh. use it to feed water you know water the plants because these were the sure. yeah. the ink that was used to write the words of god yeah. this is this is this is very nice you see this i used to go to one of those schools in north africa in morocco and one of my friends ran a mektab and he uh he, he, they were all little kids, you know, and I was I was early twenties then, and and I would, I said, look, his name was Buzid. I said, let let me come and I'll I'll sit. I won't say anything, you know. I'll listen, and and he had a book called the Medchal of Ibn Al Hajj, and and all the imams had this book, and I said, I gotta get this, you know. I I finally got a copy. Turned out to be one of the most interesting books I ever read in my life. It's an astonishing book. But because um, it explains the thing in, in, in the medical, it explains almost everything connected with a religion. Why? It, it, it answers the question of why so beautifully. And, 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 and you sit next to this, you read this book, and it's like sitting next to the guy and talking to him. He's a very personal writer. Lived his last years in Egypt. Very interesting. Um, but the... Um, Getting back to it, um, where was I? Uh, We're talking about the etiquette uh, of the holy book, and oh yeah, yeah, we do have certain things like we don't we don't even stick a pen in the ink pot without being you know having taken our wash, and you don't do that without you know you say Bismillah or, or you say uh, a little dua or something like that, you know. Ibn al-Bawab says, stick your right hand out to begin writing. And, you know, and he gives references to what you should be saying, you know, and, and, and it's, it's, um, it's preparing you it's preparing from within to do it. Yeah. To, to produce. Yeah. You can't just sit down and do it. You have to have a little bit of warm up in a, in a, uh, Ma'anawi sort of sense. So do you see when you personally engage in, in doing the calligraphy, do you see it as a, a spiritual exercise, almost a form of worship, if, if you could use that word? Well, that's, that's interesting because Ibn al-Hajj, in his book, has a whole section, and a very large section, about what, how you make your job a form of ibadah. And he talks about bleaching, dyers, cloth tailors, uh, woodworkers, calligraphers, all of them, uh, metal men, you know, uh, uh, authors, you know, all, he says everything can become an ibadah if you approach it to the right uh, niya. And so he talks about the niya for, let's say, a tailor. Um, it's really fascinating. And so I've never seen anyone who actually goes through the entire list. It's like very thick. And, and he describes all these things. Um, if you look at what good thinkers thought, I mean, tell you the truth, there's, there's things that Ibn al-Hajj said that are silly. You know, it was written, it was written in, in 1350 or something like that. Things have changed. And so you, you, you look at it and he's saying things sometimes that, that, that are not right. You know, he shouldn't have gone that way, but nobody knew anything about these things in those days. And he's reflecting his time. And so we have to be nice to him and understand that even though he's not so, so uh, up to date and he's saying things that we have to be 
revise the way we might be thinking about that. The, still, the core, the core things that he's saying, are, are are very deep and very important to us, and and we should be paying attention to it, and that we have to be, we have to give him the benefit of the doubt, and and I think, I think we need to do that with all of our great writers, like like like, El Qadi Ayad, and and Ayad was, was probably one of the greatest geniuses of of, of Islamic studies, and 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 if we want to use that term. Um, very few, died very young, died in his 40s. Um, but a person who accomplished what he did and wrote the things that he did, uh, like, like the Shifa, for instance, one of the, the uh, masterpieces of, of, of uh, work on the Prophet, um, is full of things that, that are probably technically impossible. But, and yet, there's something about that that we get a huge benefit for ourselves from reading it anyway and understanding that this is something beyond science. This is something that's a, that, this, this, that is a, a beautiful, delicate, sensitive topic that he's using to express a certain thought. And, and when you, when you, read about these things, um, you, you, you become increased in love for the prophet. I mean, that's, that, that's basically the reason. And, and so when you do that, when, when you learn to honor the prophet and everything he did, even it may have been some silly things. Like, you know, I, I can't think of it offhand. I've got it written down somewhere. There, there was a hadith that, that, that uh, somebody wrote this, copied it down, and they said the prophet said, gave us a lecture, and then he's, he repeated the main phrase, and then he repeated it again, and then he repeated it again. And one guy turned around to the other guy who was listening, he said, God, I wish he'd shut up. <laughs> it's in there. It's actually there. He said, I wish, the, I wish he'd stop. And, and so here you get, a, you get a story of all these people. They're his companions. And they're listening to him talk, and he's going on, and he's saying these things, and we don't hate him for that, you know. We we love him for it, but the fact that that he does it in such a way that it gets on a guy's nerves, and he says that to his his friend, and the friend probably, uh huh, uh huh, probably something like that, and so it puts you there. When you when you read it, it puts you right there. And you're listening to this whole thing. It's it's it's, a, it's very interesting. I can show it to you. Yeah, I, I want to see it. But I, I'm glad you mentioned Qadi um, Ayad and love of the Prophet, peace be upon him. Because one of the things I wanted to ask you or touch on is, it seems that a lot of calligraphy, a lot of Islamic calligraphy, is to uh, accentuate praise of the Prophet. So the uh -huh. Hilya being a very famous example, uh -huh. or whether it's poetry, not just the Burda, but you know other poems, even in other languages, in uh -huh. which you know the whole artistic pieces just love of the prophet uh -huh. peace be upon him and i would i would love to hear your thoughts about the centrality that the prophet plays in calligraphy as an art form and, mm. and then therefore by extension in the life of a muslim because yeah. unfortunately it seems that we don't really have that i mean i didn't yeah. grow up hearing that at sunday school yeah at all it yeah. wasn't until i really got into the thick of it mm -hmm. uh traveled to the heart of the muslim world you know Adel al-azhar learning that i was like oh my god where was this 
the whole time. And, and when I realized, personally, when I realized how important that was, my whole life as a Muslim changed. I totally okay. understood everything in a way that I didn't understand it there before. There you go. Yeah. Uh, you opened a door that would we could spend the next two weeks I know, I know, but <laughs> but the time uh, that we have and, and whatever comes yeah. to mind, I would love for you to, uh, to, to give us, you know, the gems. Yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> um, I think, I think the central place of Muhammad is so cosmic in, in our religion that we have to understand where does it come from? Where does it go? What does it do? Things of that kind. Number one, no Muhammad, no Quran. You know, it's as simple as that. He he is the one who brought this thing. He's the one who made the road level so people could could follow it. Uh, uh, the 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 thing, everything that happened in the religion in that early period was centered around him personally, his family, his wives. His friends, his companions, uh, the his enemies—it's uh, it, all in a personal relationship to Muhammad Ali and so, uh, in a sense, the Hidiyate to start with is the best gateway to understanding who was he, what did he do, what was he like. Uh, and these, and these, these are the essential questions that you need to have about who was he. You know, can Islam be without the Prophet? It can't. No, it, 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 it is. It's not. It's, it's not like a, a foolish person would say that he, you're worshiping the Prophet. That's absurd. That's 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 a very haram interpretation. You know, it's actually never happened in the history of Islam. No, I mean, never, that's the other fact never that people happened. forget. You know, all these, all these people who are condemned. As as being worshippers of Muhammad, you know, you know, like you know, like some Salafi sects, they get into this thing and they say, "Oh, he's a you know, and all that, and he's worshiping the Prophet." And blah blah blah. This is this is a, this is a, a lie against people. Actually, if, if I can, just, if I can head love. interject, uh, yeah. Sayyid Hussein Nasr, he would always tell us. Um, when when Orientalists refer to Muslims as Mohammedans, he's like, right. "This is the greatest praise yeah, of <laughs> that a Muslim could ever yeah. have." So he's actually, this is a yeah. great a great <laughs> title to have. Well, you know, the fact is, if you read older books, the the term the, this the, the, we would translate it as Mohammedan. It's used extensively. Mohammedi. So, mo, yeah. Mohammedi. Yeah. It, it it is a it is a Mohammedi kind of thing, you yeah. know, or a very lofty saintly yeah. station. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So why what's the problem? So. If we if we look in the Hedye, this is the in a, in a sense the best door for getting into what Muhammad was like. It's, it's like it's like your 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 first book on him, and uh, it is um, something I don't want to pull one out or anything like that right now. But I mean there there's two or three of them in this room, and um, I never get sick of reading it. Uh, when you write one. When you write one, you almost tingle with with amazement when you're writing this because every time you write one, it's like it's new. I said I never knew that, you know. And yet you've written the thing, you know, hundreds of times, but it, it, it's some kind of a thing that that is astonishing. And when I when I uh, uh, where can I show you? Let me show you one. Uh, I I had it. The last ones I did, 
we always use this this version that comes from Termithi, but it's gotten a little garbly, and I uh, decided to look at Termithi again, and I found another riwayat for it. It's very nice here, and uh, I thought you know there's there, there could be a change not in the text of the Hinya itself, but a text at the end. Let's see. Um, well, there are, there are different narrations. You know, one goes to Imam Ali, and we have a a lot of material on on the head. Yeah. On the, we have we have the 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 one by Hindi and Abi Hale. Yeah, who saw is, him only once. Hmm? She saw him only once. Oh no, that's Um Ma'bid. Sorry, Um Ma'bid. Yeah. Yeah, that's Um Ma'bid. No, but but Hindi and Abi Hale was uh, the uncle of Muhammad, and and he uh, he uh, I'll show you something by him. Here, Th this is uh, one I wrote, and and so I, when you come down at the end, it usually, at the end of it says Allah Musalli Wasallam, and uh, 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 let's see, what does it say? Uh, anyway, Shafi'ul uh, blah blah blah. Okay, so that's nice, but I thought, well, why try something different? So I said, at the end of it, it says Rawahu Tirmidhi, Allah Musalli Wasallam. And, uh, oh my god, no, wait a second. I'm getting real eye problems here. Uh, Mubarak, Allah Sayyidina Muhammad, Nurul Huda, Wilka'idil Khair. Sum Dalaiul Khairat. And so, Nabiyar Rahmati wa Rasul, Rabbil Alameen. So that, that tells you something a little different. Um, the uh, which would be outside of the actual narration this is of the text. Of it. This yeah, is this sort is, of this the is something that the, the, the calligrapher, the calligrapher or... would put on it himself. Uh, normally speaking, these things are copied one to the next to the next to the next. Almost no variation in them at all. Um, they're beginning to fool around with 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 the, the first part of the one by Hindib and Abihala, which is a which is a really strong. It's a really strong. Uh, 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 concept of the hidya it's it's very deep and and it goes it breaks it down into little detail what was he like at home what was he like when he was outside the house what, you know uh, it's it, it it takes up a lot of pages there's there's a complete version of it in the shifa and there's also um in in explanations of the shifa i've got mullah ali's explanation of it and i have i have uh, some ottoman ones well, you said something very important about, you know, how he was as a person. I mean, one of the Hilya narrations, they say, you know, if you saw him once, you were in awe of him. Yeah. But if you lived with him, you felt... But whoever lives with him would fall in love yeah, with him. Yeah, uh, 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 let's see. Uh, yeah, I know, I know the thing. Uh, my, my brain is... So it's almost so as if it's a text and therefore through the art of calligraphy a way to make him personal. So that we uh -huh. can all fall in love with him and yeah. and see, as you said, you know the cosmic role that he plays. Yeah. Would yeah, that be fair uh, to say? Yeah. Let, let me let me fish it out of here again, because yeah, it's it's great. Oh yeah, I'll, let me show you another thing in there. Just a second. Uh, yeah. This this one says again.
Yeah, okay. Woman called it a Ahaba. Yes. Okay. Um When you call an artulam, ara kabla will abado mitlu. Then it was before them. Yeah. Women are who badihet and habahu. Yeah. Okay. So these are explanations of what people who saw him for the first time were affected by him. Um, let me get a book up here. This one, this is the. This is a big Turkish book on. on, on so that Rabbi. is a quite. That's about you know maybe five inch spine. Yeah, this is a. Uh, <laughs> this is not not light reading. No, it's <laughs> tough. It's a poem written in like fourteen fifty about Muhammad and and his 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 dean. Uh, let's just see if I can find. Sometimes it hides. Well, I love how all your books are, you know, marked with with stickies and oh yeah, and you flags. can't read them without That's that. That's uh, yeah. a good habit. Well, I should show you my Ajlouni. Oh. Oh wow. <laughs> wow. Ajlouni's a really interesting book. I mean I've never it's seen got some wonderful I've never seen this many flags in a book before. This is this is wonderful. <laughs> this is wonderful. This is the beginning of the uh of Hindi bin Abihana. Khalil Hassan ibn Ali will left the Bihada Senad Sa'alto. Khali, Hind ibn Abi Hala, and Hilyati Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So he calls it right there Hilya. And so this is an interesting thing. There were people who, who made a, who were very good at doing Hilyas. It's a special kind of dialogue. It's not just a poetry or it's not a hadith. It's not this or that. So there's a language to it. It's almost like forensic description. Yeah, know? it's not just forensic though. It, it, there, there's a, there's a, Memorizable quality to it. When I was younger, I used to have this stuff. Uh, but he says, he says, Wakana uh, Wasafen. He was a Wasaf. Yeah. And a Wasaf is the guy who was really good at doing these things. Yeah. And it must have been almost like a. It's like a, tr a trade. A trade, yeah. almost like a profession. And so he was Wakana Wasafen. Wa'ana Arjua and Yasifali Minha Shayin. Mm. He wants a he wants a description. This is a, that he can hold this to. Is, this is Al Hassan, I think, yeah. and, he, and he wants to have something to remember the Prophet. He's already gone, but he wants something that he can hang on to, you know, hang on to it. So he says, "What be called?" Kana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Fakhman Fakhman Mufakhman Mufakhman Yatala'la uwajahun Tala'la ul-kamari laylatul badri Atwalu min al-marbu Wa aksar min al-musaddab Etc, etc And you gotta 
listen, look at the explanation to see there. But that's that's a uh, that's a uh, that, that you want something that you can hold on to, and 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 it was thought that that was a a good thing to hold on to the your memory of the prophet. So and the 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 calligraphy form of, or or piece of the hilya that's a way that we can all therefore hold on to the prophet. Yeah, in a peace sense. Peace be upon him. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, just going back to your teacher, uh, Hassan Chelebi. Mm -hmm. See, I can say it, Chelebi. <laughs> Chelebi. It's not that bad. That uh, I read in, in your biography, and uh, if, if this is not accurate, please let me know, that uh, when you went to Turkey in the mid-80s, uh -huh. you had to sort of start from scratch or, uh -huh. or, or start over yeah. your you know, artistic journey. And yeah. I would love, I mean, when I read that, I, I, I felt really overwhelmed, you know, that... What would it be like uh, reaching a certain age or thinking that you've yeah. accomplished a certain okay. set of skills that you have to kind of go back uh -huh. and start over? What was that like for you? Uh, How did you overcome that challenge? Uh, I'll tell you what happens. I went there in 1984. I'd already been a calligrapher for 20 years. 20 years? 20 years. Wow. I had already 20 years of, of experience. Uh, but I had learned myself by, by learning and studying and stuff like that. And I would learned... I had learned the school of Ibn Bawab, which had been obsolete for over a thousand years, basically. And so uh, I uh, walked in, and, and, and I went into this room. There's Ekmeladin Sanolu is there. Hassan Chalabi is there. And uh, later on, more uh, people came into this room over the years and years that I was there. Lots of It's been a room that's gone now. But uh, the... Um, Ekmel Adin sat me down and we talked and uh, he said, well, you know, you've come here for learning and this is the Chalabi. And I looked at, at, at Hassan Chalabi for the first time and he was this big guy. You know, he's a heavy fellow. You know, he's not fat, but he's powerful. He's, like, he's got big hands and stuff like that. And I said, my God, you know, how am I? I, I, I had a uh, an imaginary idea of what a calligrapher would be like, you know, a thinner person, maybe a pointed beard or something like that, you know. Central casting. Central casting. And and so I, I made a mistake on that. And so um, Ekmel Adin said, he said, if you came here to get validated as a calligrapher, uh, or did you come here to learn the calligraphy from the start? You know, there's a difference. And so if you want to be, if you want to learn the art, you have to start right from the beginning. You have to, you have everything you know about it now, put it aside, throw it out, whatever you want to do with it. But don't let it interfere with what you're going to learn from this man. Because he's going to take you to the beginning of the art, the ABC the Rabbi Yasser you're going to go right to the very start of this thing, and and uh, however long it takes, it might take you one year, it might take you five years. He will take you step by step, and you will learn it all over again, just like you were a kid learning this thing when you're 15. And so, he says, if you can do that, you want to make that leap, that leap of faith, we would call it in, in English, uh, you're welcome to do it. That's what we're here for. Uh, 
But if you can't do that, if you're going to have pride and you're going to say, no, I already know that stuff, then have a nice time in Istanbul. We'll see you later. And so I said, well, geez, you know, I came all the way, you know, so I better think about this. And I thought for about one minute, and I said, yeah, I'm going to do it. Uh, and so I, I said, okay, the deal is made. I'm going to do this. And so nothing was ever said about it again. And I went and uh, began to write. As every day, uh, I would go from my hotel in one part of town to his mosque uh, over in Uskadar, which is like, you know, it's a huge, a lot of walking. Uh, a lot of people would take cabs and buses and all these things. The only thing I had to take, really, the second, is a ferry boat. I'd get on the ferry boat and go across the water to, to his part of town. And so um, getting there, two two hours to get there, two hours to get back, and then spend an hour, two hours, three hours with him and some of the other students. I mean, there, were, there was a group of us at that time of about, must have been 15 or 20 people. Then we would all line up and everybody would get their, their corrections and stuff. And um, so that's where I started with it. And um, as watching this guy operate, watch this man's hands, watch his attention, understand, he was a, he was a religious scholar, he was a fakir, or is, really, and, and he um, knew I knew this stuff a little bit, and so he would use that kind of, we were able to communicate in that kind of Arabic at that point. Uh, his Arabic wasn't wasn't great, but uh, it worked a little bit, and and as I grew older, I studied Turkish on my own, and I got to where I could read. But what actually happened, he would write to me these letters in Arabic to explain what we were doing, and he had a lot of trouble with it. And so, I uh, uh, he just stopped writing him in Arabic and started writing him in Ottoman Turkish in old old Turkish. And so, I would take him to some people I knew who knew Turkish, and they would. Well, we can't read this. His handwriting isn't very good, you know. <laughs> calligraphers have terrible handwriting, very, very often. And so I said, uh, "Okay, the only solution here is to learn Turkish." And so I began to study it, and, and I, I was, uh, so I started writing him letters in Turkish, and then he was very happy with that, and uh, it just grew from that, that 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 our communications and connections and stuff became deeper. Yeah. Was that hard for you to, to start over again? I mean, that thought of... Yeah, because because I was not only switching from what I had known, but I was switching from Arabic to Turkish. So I was switching not just the, 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 the content, but I was switching the language. He expressed the content in. And that helped, because it helped me by, by putting a new name on things and putting a new a new language on the thing allowed me to see it in, in, in a different light. It's like taking a blue light and shining on it and then changing it to a, a, a yellow light and shining it on it. I, I saw stuff that I hadn't been catching. And so um, 
it, it became it became a very enriching subject subject and and I I never I never slowed down after that. Um, it, it's it's as if that first few weeks uh, the whole thing opened up for me. And and it's like the parting of the Red Sea for Moses, you know. It became, you follow the road. And, and um, uh, every step showed me something interesting. And, and it's, it showed me interesting things about these people. Because I was reading biographies by this point. And uh, um, uh, the first four years were the most interesting part of it because I, I was learning this language. I was learning... Uh, the basic rules of calligraphy, and and they became um, uh, something because of the way I learned it became something I could teach, and I think it um, it just became uh, it became so interesting. I stopped making astrolabes. I stopped doing a lot of this stuff, which which. Was just I, I began to see it's, it's getting in the way of the real topic for me, and the real topic for me is calligraphy, and the, because the calligraphy is a world in its in itself, it's not just it's not just nice writing. It, it, it's got a lot of. Well, I just wanted you to finish that thought about uh, oh, yeah. when you stopped making the astrolabes. You said that you realized that it was sort of distracting you from what you really wanted to do, yeah. which was which was calligraphy. Is that yeah. common? Uh, in the life of an artist, you think that sometimes you distract yourself. I I really don't know because 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 there there are some people. Like 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 we have a friend named Efdal, in Turkey, and and uh, he's a guy who got into it through into this world of, of so-called Islamic art, through calligraphy. And yet, as he as he as he as he moved through it. He got really interested in, in, in classic Turkish archery, and he began to make bows and arrows and those those beautiful machines that people don't know how to make anymore. And he learned Ottoman, and he uh, he 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 he's moved through a series of arts. So a lot of people getting into it expand into other arts. Me, I I learned a lot of this stuff when I was younger, and so I began to throw some of it away. I I didn't lose it all. I still make furniture now. I make a piece of furniture when we have a use for it. I don't make it to sell it, but I make it for ourselves. Uh, I make things like um, I plan on making an, an astrolabe should I live long enough. This is going to be what we would call a reverse astrolabe. You will find out the things that an astrolabe can tell you, but not by staring at the stars, but by using it as a as a as a complex slide rule for reading it off the, off of a clock. So you would look at a clock and you would find out when is Salat al by manipulation of the face of this machine. Interesting. Yeah. And so uh, other things of that kind, it'll tell you the Hijri year, things like that, the Hijri date and things of that. So I, I, you, know, you never get totally against, you know, uh, uh, I make tools for calligraphy, for instance, all the time. I make all the pens for the students and myself, but uh, I made that desk over there, you know, because it, it fulfills my necessities for a desk better than the one I had. Um, uh, 
I uh, am making some, some new equipment to use in calligraphy. But those are specialty things. They're, they're not like like a professional thing that I would make for a customer. And that's they, what they I They all service your, your passion, which is the calligraphy. Yeah. I, I basically found out a very good way to go broke. Um, <laughs> and I've followed it very carefully ever since. And I've made very little money on on this, uh, but it's uh, that's not really the reason. And and uh, I uh, I think um, the richness that I've gained off of the art is in the people that I have known along this road. You know, there's there's I, I've known people from all all over the place, and and I've met people that are people that normally you're not going to run into. You know, and. and um, I uh, 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 I have no regrets in that sense, um, but I think uh, let's see where, where are we going with this. Um, well, you're talking about how w when you went to Turkey, you, you, you the four years that you put in there uh -huh. helped you sort of sh focus more on you realize that calligraphy oh, yeah, is what yeah, I yeah. wanted. Yeah, basically. Not necessarily the the making of tools or machinery. Yeah, yeah. The to I, I I I've kind of come to the conclusion that if you really really need a tool, make the tool. Don't waste your time trying to buy one because you'll never get the thing. But don't make any elaborate stuff. Just make something that'll allow you to 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 keep focused on doing calligraphy. And, and so when I I've been sick for last years with some cancers and stuff like that, and I found that. Uh, to miss it, I had to miss it because I couldn't, I couldn't physically handle calligraphy. I couldn't handle the the, the eyesight. I couldn't handle any of that stuff. It, it became something so missing. It was like it was like missing your hand or something like that. You you you, you become desolate because because you're missing these things, and and now they're coming back, and it's like all these old friends. That you've that you've known and you've learned and uh, they're coming back to you, and you're sitting around the table and you're and you're writing beautiful stuff again, slow but it's coming. I have a very good student here, who's learning stuff of, of a new kind for him and 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 it's helping me to to reestablish my knowledge of that script. Well, so, inshallah, you have a long, healthy life ahead of you. Uh, we don't know, you know. You, 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 you as you say, you, you, you live as if it's only for today, you know. Well, believe it or not, it, were it not for the stamp, I mean, as a young, uh, you know, Muslim boy growing up in this area, and then all of a sudden one day there's like the stamp that says Eid Mubarak. I mean, that was a big moment for me. I was like, uh -huh. not just as an identity, but you know, who did that? And then to hear about you, you were like a mythic figure you know for me growing up jeez so i'm I, i'm you know i definitely owe a lot to you just for from the point of view of understanding and and being able to appreciate art and uh -huh. beauty and the relationship that that has in islam so i mean we definitely we, we want yeah. we want you know to you to have much more uh you know production and uh -huh. and long healthy life inshallah well, I, i'm not alone in in, in okay in, well that's that's really reassuring <laughs> uh, <laughs> rest assured <laughs> i i work i work in a kind of solitude not because i like solitude but it's it's just the way it shakes down mm. and i think um uh i have some good friends and i have good students and and um the stamp was one of the more frustrating experiences because uh, 
the first one I made, it had some serious problems with it. Um, I was interfered with by the stamp people because they said it must be blue. And I said, I don't want to do blue. And he said, yes, it must be blue. Blah, blah. There's no way out of that. So I, I did a blue stamp. Then, 10 years later, they said, we want you to make another one. And said, I'm going to make it red. I'm going to make it my color. And so uh, I made it a, a deep, a deep, bloody red, a beautiful, deep, wonderful red with gold on it. And it came out magnificent. It was the best stamp I ever made. Beautiful one. One year later, they said, we want another one, but we're not going to make a new one. We're going to print that one in a different color. And I said, what color? Green. I said, well, green doesn't work. You can't do it in green. Said, yes, we're going to do it in green. They all say it has to be green. And they not only did they print it in green, they printed it with really, really ugly gold. The gold didn't shine or anything like that. Yeah, it was, it was worthless. And so then after that, they came to me and said, well, let's make another one. I said, okay, I'm going to make it violet. I said, okay. So we made it violet, but the gold wasn't very good. And so we had just these problems you know they they tried but they get funny input from people who, who didn't know what they're talking about see if you don't know what islamic art is and how it works you can't give advice to somebody <laughs> on how, what to do say, oh make it green you know all, all muslims love it green you know <laughs> i said that's that's complete fabrication there's nothing that says anything that, that i should make or anybody should concentrate actually yeah. a funny fact is we all refer to the the dome of the prophet as being green yeah but it was originally blue yeah underneath the green dome is the original yeah. dome was blue and i'm not then, surprised yeah so yeah colors the, the, the kaaba used to have a yellow leather covering instead of black you know they yeah. get it they used to send it up from yemen yeah so it's yellow colors you know i think they they change yeah. over time yeah. and we we have no, notions that we get the, the, about color that are that are phony you know, like like the symbolisms of colors. Uh, it, it's amusing, but it, it can't ever be anything other than amusing because it can't really be informative because this is all based on a personal interpretation of what something might mean. This is not, this is not something you could apply, you know, because yeah. the rules of color use are visual and, and you have, you have a, a personal... If you're going to do these things, you have a personal ability or non-ability to use color that's my thing my my big thing in in, in the calligraphy aside from the the text I, I i believe in text and i believe in color and in text of course everybody does quran uh hadith not too many people use hadith anymore they don't like it for some reason there's a, a people have turned away from it because you know the maybe equivocal or whatnot but uh uh, everybody who deals with a hadith says, oh, that's fake, or that's this or that, and then it gets other people mad, so stay away from it. I don't, I, I like to use them now and then. Uh, then there's poetry. And I do poetry in, in, in Arabic, and I do poetry in, 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 in Ottoman, and sometimes Persian. Although I don't know Persian, I, I have friends that can help me with it. And so, uh, to have all these sources available, and sometimes I just have a nice saying that somebody said, you know, like like sayings of uh, various fuqaha and things like that. Very nice stuff, very interesting, very enlightening kind of things. So, um, 
I think there's a kind of calligrapher today who will only do Quranic things now. And, and, and that that's not consonant with the history of the art. The history of the art was to do everything, to do books. I mean, there were people in their lifetime copied three copies of, of the Shifa, a hundred copies of the Delilah Khairat, 200 Qurans, Musafs. Uh, they have uh, uh, a thousand kettas, small pieces, uh, 250 hideous at least, you know, I mean, all these things in such quantity. And so they didn't, they didn't confine themselves one because in our, in our world of, of, of Islamic information and stuff, it all points in one direction. All those things go into the, into the pot, you know, they, yeah. they all make a, a vision of, of what is happening in this religion and how it's functioning and stuff like that and, and what it, where it takes you and things like that. So it's uh, part of the richness of the thing. So why cut off your legs, you know? Why cut off your hands? That's a beautiful, beautiful sentiment. I know I know we're, we're tight on time. Uh, I hope you'll allow me, maybe we can do this again. Yeah, why to, not? To get in, this was... Uh, why not, yeah. A, a real pleasure for me. Uh, but before we wrap up, just one last quick question. Oh. Uh, do you have anything, any advice you'd like to give us, you know, for people listening uh, from well, all, I don't all know, backgrounds? I don't know who's, la who's listening, but... Uh... Well, I have a sense because I know <laughs> I, I get the statistics. But, you know, people that are interested in this idea of making more sense of Islam today, uh, from your vantage point, any any last-minute advice? Oh, boy. Uh, I would think... For people who want to understand what Islam today is, or should be, or, uh, they need to know more about Muhammad. And, and, and a very strict biography is maybe not the best way to go. I would say, I'd say number one, get, get, the, the problem is the Shifa doesn't translate very well. I agree. Yeah. It doesn't, it's very difficult to translate it's a tough it, book in and, English. And it doesn't become readable. And so, um, if people, if somebody were to, to, to understand the Shifa well and make a, an, a, a, a modern version of it that, that kept the spirit of it, it probably wouldn't work. But maybe people ought to try it. Because trying, you usually get something out of a good try. Uh, a book that would translate really, really well would be the, the Vedchel. And and I think that would be a, an introduction to people. You don't need to copy it perfectly, but it, it, as a matter of fact, you would have to say, Bel Hajj is 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 mistaken about this thing here, but give him your duas anyway. The because uh, uh, it's such a it's such a personal work, you know. It's 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 like it's like sitting with a guy from a thousand years ago, who really is. He's a, he was the uh, the Mufti of Fez or something like that. He was you know he was well up there and, and so uh, his story is phenomenal. His story is in the back of the book. Um, he tells you why why these things are you know, and 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 that's one thing nobody writes about why that I know of to that degree anyway. I mean it's four four big dense volumes you know hmm. wonderful. 
All right. People should have it. They should have that one in English. We'll, we'll get working on that right away. Get working on that. <laughs> Thank you very much sure thing. for your time. Thank you very much. And that is a labor of love, too, though. Translation? That, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, translation yeah. is a labor of love. But we'll see what we can do. Maybe we can get some people to, to uh, collaborate. Why not? Yeah.